So I want to start out by saying I hope you all realize that I was not born a priest. Like, I, I, and you should know that because I came here as a deacon. So at minimum, you know that I wasn't always a priest. Maybe thought I was always a deacon, but no, that's not the case. And I say that because the story I'm about to share happened well before I was in seminary when I had a girlfriend. And I don't want anyone to walk away from this homily going, you know Father Adam has a girlfriend? Like, I don't need rumors to spread about anything. So this happened in 2009, so well before I entered seminary. And uh, I was in culinary school, and as most people who are in college know, you're kind of broke, right? You don't really have a lot of money. And I'd been dating this girl for about two years. I was uh, back in the Orlando area, so I went to culinary school in South Florida. And I wanted to do something special for Christmas, but I didn't really have a lot of money. So I thought, well, there's one thing I know that I can do really well, I'll cook. And so I spent weeks pouring over, like creating the perfect menu, making sure that everything would go just right. And I spent the entire day prepping this meal, making sure, again, that everything would be ready for when she would come at seven. Well, seven comes around, then a little after seven, and I call her and I said, hey, are you almost here? And she's like, oh, I'm just about to leave now. And she lives like 20 minutes away. And anyone who cooks knows that when you, do have, you have food that's you know, ready and you're ready to serve. And the, I can just watch as my food is just dying there. And so, you know, it's like 7.30 rolls around and I call her. I said, hey, you know, I'm just trying to make sure, you know, because I'm watching my food die. And I said, are you almost here? And she said, oh, I'm just about finished getting ready. I'll be leaving in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, so next thing you know, she got there a little after eight and as I'm just kind of watching my food die and uh, I, but I was like, no, I, I want the, I've been thinking about this for weeks and so I want this to be a special night. So uh, it comes and we eat. She was rather unappreciative and then she left. And I'll be honest, First of all, again, this was the only thing I had to offer. I, I didn't really have a lot of money to like, you know, get a really big, nice gift or anything like that. And I, again, I spent weeks. This is my craft. This is what I do. I've poured myself into this meal and for it to basically just kind of go unappreciated, unaccepted, and thanks for dinner, bye. And like showing up late and again, my food just dying there. And I think we all have stories, if I were to go around here right now, where in some way, shape, or form, you felt rejected. Like you've poured yourself into something and you just feel utterly rejected. Whether that be rejected by your family, your friends, you know, you, you give everything to your friends and then there's that moment that you're in need and somehow everyone is too busy for you. And you just feel isolated and alone. Maybe it was at work and you spent weeks working on a proposal and to before you can get two sentences into your proposal, just get shut down by your, by your boss and kicked out of the office. Uh, and you've worked really hard on that. And you've poured yourself into, you put a lot of effort into something and get rejected. So the lie is that somehow no one understands, that no one gets it. No one has ever felt rejected that way because we live in that isolation and aloneness when we feel we continue to get depressed. So when we're rejected, we feel a rejection of our very self. We hear in our gospel, though, that Jesus very much understands what we go through when we feel rejected. 
He is literally offering the disciples his body and blood. He is willing to pour everything that he is to the disciples. And they walk away. These very same disciples who he knows that one day he will take the cross for and die for them. And he offers his very self and they turn their backs and reject him. Jesus very much understands. And what we can do is we can, when we are feeling rejected or isolated and alone, we can say, Jesus, I don't want you to feel that way. And I know you understand how I'm feeling right now. Jesus, let me comfort your heart. Jesus, let me empathize with you. Jesus, I want to be there for you as I know that you are going to be there for me because I know that you know how I feel. Because Jesus does get that. And I'm sure right now everyone's kind of has that, that image in their head of that time that they were rejected, that pain that they suffered. And I know that you don't want anyone else to suffer that same pain and you don't want Jesus to experience that same pain. And so how does Jesus pour himself out to us right now? How is he doing that? Jesus instituted the sacraments as an instrument to pour out his grace into the world. And so from baptism, those graces we receive at baptism, to, let me ask a question, and the office is going to kill me for asking this question, but who here knows the anniversary of their baptism? I've got a few hands over here. Okay, wonderful. Yes? Okay, well, you brought in at the Easter Vigil, so that's a very special blessing. You got three, all the, three sacraments, all the sacraments of initiation, one. So, I recommend to you, go and find out. Call the office or whatever parish that you were baptized at. Find out. And every single year, renew your baptismal promises. Rece- that grace is lifelong. Jesus is continually pouring out those graces from baptism. To be able to renew those baptismal graces, I called, actually I have one of my godsons here right now, but I have another godson whose baptism anniversary was uh, just this past week. And we were able to talk and uh, his family, they renewed their baptismal promises as a family and they lit the baptismal candle. They might share that as a family. Reconciliation. I, I always kind of have a little bit of a laugh when people come to confession and they say, oh, no mortal sins. And the first thing out of their mouth is pride. Like they'll flat out say, well, I got pride and I'm going, I don't know if you understand how this works. Like, no, that's, that's, that's on the list. It's one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah, that's, that's mortal. We need to talk about this. But we try to diminish our sinfulness. But to be able to have the humility to say, Lord, this is me and my vulnerability. This is where I've struggled. I don't want to reject the grace that you have given me through the cross. Lord, give me all of your grace through your mercy. Pour it all in my soul because I, I'm sorry for these things that I have done. But instead we say, no, no, I only want a little bit of grace because I've only done, we only recognize that we've done a little bit when in fact we've probably done a lot more. So we're rejecting that grace from God when we don't recognize our sinfulness. We're like those disciples who turned away from Jesus. To be able to come here to Mass, to receive the Eucharist, that, and it's very easy, especially I know for, for priests, it's very easy, those who come to uh, daily mass, but even those who are coming just for Sunday masses, I don't say just, that's what you're asked to do, to just go through the motions. It's Sunday, 9.30, we go to mass, we leave, and our top question is, where are we going for brunch? Because we've got a lot of great brunch places in Winter Park, don't we? 
So that's the big question is after mass, where are we going for brunch? Rather than being able to come, especially for our families here, coming to mass and saying, what, what are we praying for today? What are we hoping to receive from this mass today? And then when you leave, are you able to share any graces that you've had by coming to mass? Or is it, all right, check the box, we've moved on and let's go about brunch. And it's very easy to do. And again, even the priests do it sometimes. More frequently than I care to admit, honestly. It just becomes routine. To uh, confirmation, receiving that gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we constantly reflecting on how the Holy Spirit and his promptings are made present into our lives? Or do we just kind of go through day to day and just, well, maybe God's working, maybe God's not working, no. We have the sacrament of confirmation to pour out that gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't reject those graces. Don't be that disciple who turned away from Jesus, who rejected him. Holy matrimony. Many of you who are here are married. I know some are more recently married. To be able to go back to those vows. There's a couple I know, it's beautiful. They memorize their vows. And anytime they're having a little bit of a dispute or something, they'll just go to the other one, say the vows, just say the vows. And it's a way for them to kind of recall that and to be able to remember that even in difficult times, there is grace in the sacrament of matrimony. Do you recognize it as a sacrament? Do you recognize that it's a gift of God's grace to be married, to be together? Yesterday uh, morning, we had adoration for young families with their children. And it was absolutely beautiful to see these young people, uh, young married couples with their little kids uh, just gathered together to share that gift of faith. That the love shared in their marriage has brought forth new life and that they're able to pass that gift of faith in Jesus Christ to their children. They desire that so badly to pass the wonderful gift of their faith. It's a grace that we receive, that you receive in the sacrament of holy matrimony and holy orders. And I thank God for, the, for you all to remind me of those graces constantly when I encounter you through the sacraments and fulfilling my role as a priest. The anointing of the sick. And it's so important to, if you know someone, a loved one who is sick or about to have a surgery or anything like that, to not reject those graces from the anointing of the sick. It's not called last rites. If I hear any of you call it last rites again, we're gonna have words. It's anointing of the sick for a reason. There's graces to be had in it, Jesus Christ. It's not about, oh, they're about to die, then you get anointed. There's grace to be had in sickness, to be able to unite yourself closer with the sufferings of Jesus and ask for his healing presence. Don't deny those graces. Don't reject what Jesus is trying to offer to you. Because ultimately, what we desire is to be like the 12 who turned to Jesus when everyone else walked away, when everyone else rejected the grace of who Jesus was. And they said, Lord, to where else shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life.